1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: Josh, we've been doing a lot of episodes of the Everything Guide. We did a college football one, and I offered an impersonation of Keith Jackson. Perhaps that was best forgotten. But, you know, we've got college, foot, uh, we've got college football behind us. We've got college basketball on the agenda today. So who should I do an impersonation of if we're talking college basketball?
3: Oh, Ron, there's only, one, there's only one name that comes to mind. Dickie V, baby. Diaper Dandies. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Keep it going, Josh Applebaum. Keep it going, Josh. Oh, it's the best. Keep Ca- it going. Cameron Crazies. The Cameron Indoor Crazies is no better oh, place to play than
2: Coach oh, K. Fluff. Oh, oh, he's a trifecta. He's a BTP. He's not a Dow Joneser. This is the Everything Guide. well there you go what better way to start a college basketball <laughs> podcast than with the voice of dickie v or at least uh, two feeble attempts at doing so how great would it be if all of a sudden oh hey i am dickie v i'm gonna make a surprise appearance but uh, uh we could dare to dream hey,
3: you've been a dickie v guy forever like i have i have i grew up with dickie v i love him uh my second favorite though ron is uh Bill Raftery through the nylon. I like that one. So that's that's with a kiss, the kiss off the glass. Onions, <laughs> onions. Remember when Villanova won that title at the with the buzzer and it's, onions yeah. first word. Onions. What like... does that even mean? I don't know. It's, it's great. <laughs> oh, I oh you you don't know what that means? Uh, he's got uh, he's got balls. I don't know what's
2: that. That's it. Yes, <laughs> think south of your personal equator and you'll find the onions. All right. Well, uh, there you go. The everything guide to sports anatomy. <laughs> All right, so let's get into college basketball before we drift too far off here and end up having to check mark the box that says we're not a clean podcast. So there's a lot of ways to bet college basketball, as there are ways to bet any sport. The basics, though, always seem to come back to the same things in so many sports betting here in the United States. Spreads, totals, and money lines. And in case you weren't with us for that Keith Jackson episode or any of the other episodes that we outlined why don't i go ahead and make sure you do have the objects of the game as far as the basics are concerned spread betting in fact spread betting really began with college basketball and that is the number by which a team either has to win or at least can benefit with a loss and still get a victory for the better in other words let's say duke is favored by three points at home against north carolina so if you bet duke then Duke has to win by at least three in order for you either to break even or if they win by more than three, you win your bet. And if North Carolina should either win the game or lose by no more than three, then you win the bet on the Tar Heels. You bet the total, the over-under. The total score is either over or under the number that's set by your bookmaker. And the money line bet is if you just want that team to win straight up, no point spread involved, the underdog pays more than the favorite the favorite always indicated with the minus whether it's the money line or the point spread all right so those are the basics so why don't you get us into some of the the treetops if you will josh of what we're going to be discussing here of the basics
3: yeah so college hoops you know every every march ron uh, i think the whole nation maybe the whole world becomes a college basketball fan with march madness and Mm. filling out brackets and uh, we're gonna have later in the show we'll talk some March Madness betting strategies and uh, my personal favorite, how to, how to create a contrarian bracket. Um, But really with, with college basketball today, it's uh, okay. You don't have to just wait until March Madness. You can bet throughout the season and uh, a couple things you want to know right off the bat. uh, The fact that it is similar to the NBA, obviously it's the same sport of basketball, but it is different. You know, you have first off way more college basketball teams than NBA teams the NBA you have 30 teams college basketball you have close to 350 division one teams so right off the bat uh, more opportunities to get down and maximize your edge but also we always want to caution you get into the uh, the overwhelming situation of betting too many games that's not a good thing either so it takes discipline to really bet college basketball again you're betting on you know 18 19 20 year olds not pros you also want to know the dynamics of the game are a little bit different you're betting Uh, two 20-minute halves instead of four 12-minute quarters, like in the NBA. Um, Obviously, you know, typically you're you're betting uh, each team is playing around 30 to 35 games uh, per regular season instead of 82. And, of course, we always got to throw that magic number out there. So uh, we have a benchmark for our our VEASAN bettors and listeners to strive for. 52.38% in order to break even with your spread and total bets, assuming standard minus 110 juice. So we're striving for 53% or more. higher we can get above 53%, the better we're going to be overall. But uh, that's the magic number to strive for, 53% or better.
2: One of the things I really love about college basketball, even more so than the NBA, is that you have three distinct sections of the season. and They are absolutely and completely of their own. And you could even argue to a certain degree four. If you split the postseason between conferences and the big dance. But why don't we talk about the three parts of the season that really make this so much fun where you get resets throughout the season?
3: Yeah, this is important. And again, you can cut up the you know the college basketball season into distinct seasons. This is really, really important overall because new betters don't really think this way, but you want to make sure you're approaching each one differently because they are very distinct overall. So What's the first season we're talking about? We're talking about the non-conference schedule. That's really when you first get started. It's the first, uh, you know, third of the season overall. You know, when you're looking in, you know, November when really college basketball really starts to get going early. Uh, it can be a, a Jekyll and Hyde type part of the season because uh, number one, obviously there's no, you know, preseason betting, but you have a lot of these early, you know, pre-early uh, season tournaments where you have the Maui Invitational, you have uh, different, uh, the Bahama in between, you know, all these different ones overall. And as a result, you know, there's kind of two different ways to approach the early non-conference schedule. Number one is tread lightly because first off, uh, you're early in the season. A lot of favorites usually do pretty well uh, in this non-conference early part of the schedule because lack of familiarity, um, kind of benefits the better team overall, but there's also a lot of uh, upsets. So it's just very unpredictable early season. You really don't have any value to go contrarian. You know, I love betting against the public. Wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, hold on. What?
3: What? <laughs> I know.
2: You Wait a minute. Did you really just say you, the contrarian bettor, said there's no value to going contrarian in the non-conference part of the college basketball season? <laughs> You're exactly right,
3: Ron. It pains me to say, but we always got to be honest, honest with our listeners. And why is it uh, really no value to bet against the public? Because you got to remember, November, when it really gets started, college hoops, you're also competing with the NFL, college football, NBA. You have all the different sports going on overall. Okay. And just the the betting masses are not yet diving deep into college basketball. So as a result, you know, what I like to do is, number one, use this as kind of a, you know, tread lightly, Walter White style, one of my favorite quotes overall. Uh, basically, uh, you know, you want to look at, okay, let me watch the games. I'll kind of go slow into it. I'll study the teams. I'll scout. I'll lean on a lot of teams that are returning starters, lean on coaching, rebounding, you know, kind of get your feet wet slowly uh, because once you get to uh, conference play, that's when everything changes. But just one system I lean on really early, on: neutral court unders. When you have these tournaments, these Maui invitationals, these early, especially when the defense is way ahead of the offense and uh, your shots aren't down yet, you don't, you don't really have familiarity with your, your teammates and running plays. I love leaning on taking the under in neutral court games because uh, unfamiliar surroundings don't know the backboards don't know the rims you maybe had to travel to this place you don't know yet it can really affect these young players overall so it's a neutral court I lean under a lot of value there historically since 2005 your neutral court unders are around 54 percent so I'm of the opinion tread lightly a little bit lean on some neutral court unders, and get ready for conference play when college really heats up
2: Most conferences seem to be getting going earlier now because they're getting bigger, so it used to be you'd have it happen after New Year's Day. Now you kind of get the circumstance where conferences are beginning now around Christmas time and right around the time that finals are over with and all the students have gone back home, but the college basketball teams, in many cases, play on and conference games are already beginning. So once you get to that point, What is something you're looking at in terms of conference play that you hadn't been looking at during the non-conference season?
3: Yeah, so I think, Ron, really, this is when college basketball really, really starts. When you get to that conference play overall, that, that late December start, that's when your conference rivals start playing each other. And this is when I really love betting on a lot of underdogs. This is when dogs really bark the loudest overall because of these rivalry games, these, you know, the familiarity between the two teams. Uh, they usually lead to tighter games overall, more upsets. So one thing that I lean a lot on is, you know, when you have two conference teams playing head to head, I like, I love road conference dogs. I love when you can take advantage of situations where, uh, and we'll get to in a second with rankings and with uh, teams with, you know, has have, they have a worse record, but yet you can take advantage of the public really overvaluing one side versus the other. So one of my favorites is unranked teams, ranked teams in conference play those dogs really can bark loud and you say you know Ohio State is ranked uh 10th overall Maryland is unranked why is Maryland only a 1.2 point dog on their home court uh those situations where you can buy low sell high bet against top ranked teams this is when you can really really get uh some good value overall especially uh when it comes to dogs and getting points in conference games
2: Do you ignore rankings as I think you should?
3: Uh, So I, so kind of, yeah. So I ignore them in terms of, I don't want to overvalue them, but I I, I pay attention to them in terms of, okay, I want to, you know, bet on that unranked team versus the ranked team, or I want to get extra value on maybe two ranked teams where one is ranked, you know, fifth and one's 24th, buying low on that 24th team. So uh, ignore them in terms of don't let, that bias creep in and make you, because again, the public will always bet on that ranked team, that higher ranked team. If you can go the other way, if you can kind of fade the noise in that situation, I think you're better off by, uh, like you said, either ignoring them, Ron, or going against the the prevailing opinion.
2: I love betting on unranked teams at (laughs) home against ranked teams. I love, love doing that. All right, so what about in terms of the lines, the point spreads, Which, by the way, in case you're wondering, lines and point spreads for the purposes of this context, same thing. So if you see a line and you say, wait a minute, something doesn't fit right here. Does that ring a bell for you?
3: Always, Ron. I love situations where, um, you know, uh, this is kind of difference between kind of a uh, sharp mindset and what you'd call maybe a public mindset overall. So a lot of times you'll see line moves that don't make any sense. You know, uh, let's just say, you know, Ohio State. Uh, is playing against Illinois. Again, Ohio State is ranked, and maybe they open at uh, minus three, but yet you see that line fall to minus two, even though everyone is betting Ohio State. Uh, maybe even gets down to one. If it doesn't make any sense, there's a reason behind it. So a lot of new bettors will just pound Ohio State. They say, they're going to win anyway. I like them at three. They're down to two. Okay, I'll, I'll double down. What's going on here? But if you can kind of take a step back, pull back the curtain, and say, why is this happening? There's a reason behind it. So um, I think that's a situation where, you know, talking about reverse line movement, sharp, you know, sharp line moves. If a line doesn't make any sense, if everyone and their mother is betting one side, but the line goes the other way. These are the situations you want to look out for. And again, having multiple outs, jumping on these numbers soon before they move. If you could get in that situation, Illinois plus three, you know, before it starts to fall, a lot of value there overall. So if you scratch your head and say what's going on here, I don't get it. If it looks weird, it looks fishy, there's a reason behind it. And oftentimes you want to be uh, kind of taking advantage of the unpopular opinion, not the popular opinion.
2: What about a rule of thumb that we've heard in other sports, such as the public loving the favorite and the over? Are you automatically at first blush looking the other way?
3: Automatically at first blush, of course, in a vacuum. I'm looking, to especially, uh, again, heavily bet games. you got to remember there's so many teams, so you could have a, a big discrepancy in terms of total bets from a small school game versus a big school game. But, uh, of course, the public will lean on uh, big-name schools, Duke, Kentucky, um, these, these uh, basically popular teams, long track records of success, leaning on favorites. Uh, leaning on overs that's uh, to me why you can create a lot of value on dogs and taking unders. And this is why the key in uh, the second uh, distinct season, that conference play tons of value overall. So remember point spreads, Uh, you can also look for middling opportunities. We got to mention that, you know, in college. Yes. Yeah. This is some of the best spots around because uh, in college uh, lines may not be as tight as your pros. So as a result, you can see bigger line moves overall. So maybe the favorite opens minus 10, They're getting pounded. They get up all the way to 14. You bet the favorite early minus 10. You get the dog at 14. Situations where you can create middling opportunities, that's also big in college because you will see bigger moves typically just because of uh, the lack of parity overall.
2: One of the things I'll do is I'll start shopping on a game where I think that you're going to get a middling opportunity. I'll start shopping the night before. Normally here in Las Vegas, those numbers will go up around 6 o'clock in the evening local time. For the following day's games and if I see a line that I think is going to move again with reverse line movement I'll go against the tide bet one direction and then the next day watch that line move the other way to get the middle do you attack it similarly or do you have a different timetable
3: no I'm right there with you Ron I think you know if you really want to get good at betting college basketball you need to like you said pay attention the night before look at how these overnight lines open how they move. Uh, if you are, you know, sharp enough to set your own power ratings and look for discrepancies, that's even better. Uh, but I agree, you know, looking at how it opens, how it moves, Every you can't just look at open and current line movement. you got to look at all the moves in between and see how line progresses overall. Oh, yeah. um, and I think that that's really key. And uh, also, you know, talking about going contrarian overall, there's that buzzword we're going to throw at you a lot. Um, but look at, you know, power conferences, the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, Big 12. The Big East, the Pac-12, those are the big televised conference games, especially rivalry games, where going contrarian, especially if it's in a a primetime nationally televised game, you can take a lot of advantage there overall. So uh, Duke's playing UNC, everybody's betting Duke, uh, but yet the line falls to UNC and maybe they're contrarian as well. Those are the little things you want to look out for. And remember, not all games are created equally. When you're contrarian, it's the heavily bet games you want to look at. Those small mm-hmm. school games, you're leaning a little more toward line movement because really only the pros, only the wise guys are betting those those really small sc- school Kennesaw State against uh, whoever yeah. on, you know, throw another name that no one knows how.
2: Arkansas Pine Bluff. <laughs> uh,
3: Houston Baptist. Uh, yeah, we, all day. Stephen F. Austin. Hey,
2: by the way, with some of those, you see like normally, you know, you, you've got just, you know, a few digits in terms of the what we call the rotation number here in Nevada. It goes by other names. It's the number to the left that when you go up to the window, if you're betting live, it's the number of the team on the game that you're betting. Some of these things look like they're bigger than zip codes, Josh.
3: (laughs) Yeah, this is kind of one of my personal favorites. I'm such a nerd about it. But um, yeah, the NSS Vegas ID rotation number, whatever you want to call it. um, Typically, it'll it'll be a three-digit number, you know, uh, Duke against UNC, game 301, 302, or whatever it may be. However, you have what we call a lot of added games or extra games, where they'll actually be a six-digit ID number. And why is this important? Because, first off, these added games, extra games, they're typically these really small school games. You can bet on them, and sharps love betting on these games, uh, even though the public ignores them. They don't even know where to find them when they're trying to bet on them. But I love these really added game, extra game, small games, because line movement is really important, especially when looking at totals totals can really really move a ton and when you have your Kennesaw State against Drake game that's an added game extra game where no public better does even cares or knows about that game but yet you see that total open 145 it gets down to you know 144 143 if you can hit that early you know that it's really only pro money moving that number so I love looking at line movement and trying to jump on a good number before it moves in these added extra games that really the public doesn't care about, but the value is still there to be had.
2: I'm waiting for these added games to include bracket busters like Texas A&M Corpus Christi (laughs) against Cal State Bakersfield. That's what I'm waiting for. All right, I won't hold my breath. Uh, Totals over unders, much lower than the NBA because NBA games are 16% shorter 48 minutes to 40 or i should say college games are 16 percent shorter Yeah, no adjustment of your podcast is necessary so in terms of betting the overs the public's still liking to do that we'll see smaller totals but how is it different in terms of betting them
3: yeah so you know of course again the public like you said ron they'll lean toward an over this is pretty much universal in all sports you want to Sit down and watch a fast-paced, high-scoring, entertaining game. You want to cash an over. You're psychologically biased, but uh, a lot of value betting unders in college basketball. Uh, you'll see totals in you know the 130s, 140s, much, much lower than an NBA game or a total maybe you know 220 uh, or more. Um, but I really like looking at totals that drop in college because to me that's kind of just an easy indicator of smart money. You know, average joes are really only betting overs. You start to see some unders that drop you know nine times out of ten that's really sharp money that caused it to fall uh, a couple that i really lean on is um i love big favorites um and taking the under in games with mm-hmm. big favorites so this is a system that's been pretty consistent year to year to me a big favorite is favored by 15 or more so minus 15 or more uh, a lot of value to betting unders in these games because you know i always think about gonzaga where you know they're minus 15 minus 20 minus 25 against Some poor, you know, San Francisco or who knows. Um, But really in these big favorite games, typically uh, they get out to a big lead. They're up by 30. They start to take their foot off the gas. They start to cruise. They start to just dribble the clock out. So betting those unders has a lot of value. Um, Just a line in the sand. You can draw around 150 to me, 150 or higher. You have some value to the under, but I really lean on a lot of unders with, and this is kind of counterintuitive, but this is the reason I love it. Unders, when you have two really good field goal shooting teams, so you shoot about 45% from the floor or better, the under is around 55% historically because the public will look at these basic stats and say, okay, they shoot the ball well, it means that they're going to score a ton, but as a result, these good shooting teams actually, uh, you can take advantage of inflated totals where buying low on an under uh, does very well historically. So in general, under is a lot of value in college hoops.
2: Yeah, and in fact, of course, don't forget, the bookmakers are watching all this, too. They're adjusting numbers accordingly. It's not like every game's sitting at 178.5. So <laughs> you start to see a lot of these things change. What's the 17-point rule?
3: So, Ron, we have to trademark this. Uh, this I, I have this thing called the 17-point rule. and What does that mean? What I like to do is, uh, you know, I bet on a lot of unders. So sometimes when I bet an under and they score a million points in the first half, I get pissed off. I'm losing my bet. I have under 140, and they combine for uh, 95 points in the first half. And it's like, okay, I'll just throw that bet aside. I lost it. That's it. Uh, However, I love this situation where uh, what I started to do a few years ago is basically um, what I do is I will take basically how many points they score in the first half, and then I will Mm -hmm. add that to whatever the second half total is. And if you add those two numbers up and that difference is at least 17 points or more off the full game total, then I hit the under second half. So basically it's a little wonky. It's kind of hard to understand, but basically a total goes way over in the first half. Uh, You can buy low on take that second half under. And why is this important? Because there are fluky things that happen. You can also flip it where they don't score any points in the first half and then go second half over that sort of thing. Right. But you're looking for a discrepancy where you have a huge situation in terms of, you know, usually the odds makers are so good, the final score will be somewhere close relatively to what the full game odds are. So if you have that, um, you know, the situation where you have that 17-point cushion where you add the first half point scored, 90, uh, and maybe the second half total is 80, and now you're at 160, but the full game odds were, you know, in the 140, something like that, taking that second half under has value. It's just a weird system that dawned on me a while ago, and uh, just, you know, okay. hopefully it catches a few bets here. and there, Or basically recoups your losses from when your, your first half bet goes way over when you had the under.
2: Man, this reminds me of my single days. <laughs> we used to have a rule that said, "What's who's someone too young to date? Take your age, cut it in half, and add exactly. seven. Exactly. That's, uh, that's another story. Uh, what about teams that they have reputations for being run and gun, or they have reputations for just slow it down. How do you attack those teams?
3: Style of play. It's all about style of play. You have some college teams that are just notorious for going one way or the other, and a few easy ones that come to mind, Virginia. Uh, if you've ever bet a Virginia Cavs oh, yeah. uh, college hoops game, <laughs> yeah. uh, especially under Tony Bennett, and you know, th- it could change. You know Things change over time, but um, unders, cash at a really high rate. Teams that slow it down and play very deliberate, play great defense and chew up the shot clock. You also look at Syracuse with Jim Boeheim. They're notorious for their zone defense. And if a team is unfamiliar with the zone defense, they can it can just smother you and take you out of your game. So I would look at style of play, especially when you're betting totals. Look at tempo and pace. Um, that's really important, pace in terms of possessions, because teams that really push the pace What does that mean? They have more possessions. They have more opportunities to score. They benefit an over. Teams that play really, really slow. uh, And again, look at coaching. It's all about coaching and what kind of uh, style of play uh, that they incorporate. But um, betting totals, always look at pace, tempo, possessions. You know, a team that's deliberate has fewer possessions, benefits the under. All
2: right. So we've gone more than 20 minutes in this podcast and haven't mentioned one name it may be the name that in the 21st century is more synonymous with college basketball than any other name in the business who could that be (laughs) ha ha make you stick around you downloaded this podcast for a reason not to listen to half of it listen to all of it we'll tell you who that is on the other side on the everything guide
1: Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com, that's ang dot or download the app today.
3: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
2: He's Josh Applebaum. I'm Ron Flatter. This is the Everything Guide to Sports Betting V Sin podcast. Who is this name? Who is this name? You've heard of Ken Palms? There is a Ken Palm. He's Ken Pomeroy. Josh, would you be able to pick him out of a crowd?
3: I would not be able to pick him out of a crowd, but I tell you what, his uh, here. his his website is bookmarked on my uh, on my computer and has been for many, many years. So uh, yeah. if you are looking to get into college basketball and we've thrown a lot at you, and go to VEASAN.com, follow us on Twitter, at live, wall-to-wall college hoops coverage. But if there's one thing we can recommend... Um, and uh, he's not hes not paying us to say this, Ron. We're not touting him. We're saying it because it's true and it helps you win. Ken Pomeroy, kenpom.com. He has the best advanced ratings and advanced statistics website across the country. He's got some high level stats that you can lean on. It makes it much easier uh, for you when you're capping your games. And it's really just the best site overall, predictive analytics. You know, a lot of sharp guys uh, are just, you know, if you're betting college hoops, you have you have access to Ken Palm data because that data is going to really really benefit you. And what I love is there's a tab on the site. It's called Fan Match. Basically, he's he's putting out projected final scores for all these games. And when I lean, I you know, when I started, everyone's talking Ken Palm. Ken Palm. Who is this guy? Why? Yeah. Why do I yeah. care? Why does it matter? I start to find out over time once I got the membership that he'll have his page where he projects final scores. And I noticed LSU he projects seventy to sixty seven over auburn and what do i do i go to the vegas odds what's the spread ron lsu minus three his numbers are right on with the vegas lines and vegas pays attention to these lines i know for a fact that um a lot of teams actually will get this data where in college you know they'll on their staff they'll have a guy looking at ken palm numbers when they're trying to game plan or uh, actually players or coaches on the teams they look at this stuff so long story short I love Ken Palm, and you should too, Ron. It makes ca- capping oh, I do. college hoops so much easier and so much better.
2: I hope he's getting rich off this. I assume <laughs> he is, but if not, well, you know, well, call me Ken. All right, so this is part of the research you should be doing. I hate to ask this. Is it possible to be partway in on college basketball?
3: I mean, if you really want to be a, a serious winning college basketball better, uh, you want to be all in. You know, the more the, no pain no game, the more you put into it, uh, the more you're going to get out of it. But if you can really get in the habit of not just tracking line movement as soon as it open and capping these games and looking at all your data, uh, but also look at situational spots. I think that's really important. You know, teams off a tough loss, a letdown game, sandwich games where. Uh, maybe you just had a, a big win, but you have a look-ahead game, or you're playing your top rival next. There are a lot of these situational aspects, situational spots that you can really, really take advantage of. So, why is that important? Watch a lot of college hoops. Be aware of the calendar, the schedule. These kids, if they have a big, you know, rivalry game coming up, maybe they're going to take an opponent lightly. Uh, the game, you know, heading into that game. So, uh, be aware of the scheduling uh, situations. Follow your local beat reporters, your school newspapers on Twitter. Be aware of the injuries, suspensions, uh, do your research, because there's a, a, with so many teams, Ron, all of these situations can really, really be important to know and, and help you win bets overall the more you know about them. If you don't know about them, you know, you know, if you don't have time, okay, I get it. But if you want to be serious about it, look at these situations because they can really benefit you.
2: Now, if you were paying attention in the first part of the podcast – You heard us mention that there are three distinct sections of a season. We really went over only two of them, non-conference and conference play. So let's now go into the one that is paid attention to more than any. No, we didn't forget it. We're saving it here for this part of the podcast, and that is March Madness and Brackets. Now, Brackets... Man, I have a love-hate relationship with brackets. I've, and I've won some bracket, uh, you know, office brackets and things like that. But my thing is, that you, you're filling those out, and it's almost like playing the lottery. But that's a whole different story. How do you look at March Madness and the betting landscape for postseason basketball?
3: Yeah, this is the best time of year. I, I, I would personally say this is my favorite time to bet on anything. I love March Madness. I always have. Uh, I was filling out brackets as a teenager before I even was serious about sports betting, and it's just so much fun. But I love it mostly, Ron, selfishly, because I'm a contrarian better, and this is the best time of year to go contrarian, to bet against the public. So number one, you know, because of the schedule of college basketball, it's competing with other sports throughout the year. But once you get into March, football's over, NFL's over, college football's over, Um, You know, and as a result, huge influx of public betting moves to this time of year to bet, not only filling out brackets, but betting on games. So right off the bat, March Madness, great time to uh, basically buy low on underdogs, um, buy low in situations where you can bet on popular teams. And because you have this time of year when recreational betters are betting now just to get in on the fun when they haven't bet all year long, what are they going to do? Bet favorites that, you know, teams Mm -hmm. that are more well-known, bigger schools. So you can really, really take advantage of this overall. Um, But taking one step back, we also have those conference tournaments, Ron. And that's when you can get your automatic bids if you win your conference tournament. So this is when we get back to everything comes full circle. A lot of neutral courts, tired legs, back-to-back situations, the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. I love leaning on a lot of unders this time of year because with all so much at stake, Uh, Really clamped down on defense, a court that you're unfamiliar with, don't know the sight lines, the backboards, the rims. A lot of neutral court under um, systems come into play, especially if you're second leg of a back to back, you've advanced multiple rounds. I love leaning a lot of unders in that spot.
2: Yeah, it's funny too when you look at places like Madison Square Garden, you think, oh yeah, huge crowds and everything not for that noon game on Thursday yeah that's the other thing you get an empty building sometimes too and I know if you were watching things during the pandemic and empty buildings then maybe you're listening after that we never really got used to it and I don't think you get used to it when you walk into place when you're rattling around there with 19,000 empty seats
3: yeah that's key <laughs> that is huge and you always got to take all these different factors into account. Um, But really another thing is, you know, I love betting March Madness. So I bet two ways. I bet with just betting games and I bet with my, with my brackets. And um, one thing I learned a long time ago, which really helped me is, you know, I would always take the favorite in every bracket and, you know, it seemed like the favorite would, you know, make a run, but you know, they would never seem to win it overall. And I would just be in the pack with everyone else. And um, I kind of changed my mindset. So as a contrarian, you know, one thing that I like to do is, um, bet against the public, you know take unpopular opinions. There's reasons why because more often than not the public loses and especially when you're in a bracket You know, you're usually in a big pool and if you're just like with everyone else, you're never gonna differentiate yourself So you have to set yourself apart. So uh, usually, you know, the public will take all four number one seats to make the final four I look at it a little differently and I like to kind of branch out This is something that has uh, helped me long term is that Usually when you're filling out your bracket, you start on the outside. You start on this round of 64, advance, 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 get to your champion. I would recommend completely flipping it. Start with uh, picking a champion, because you gotta remember the deeper you are into the pool with teams alive, the more points you're gonna get long-term. Usually, you know, double or increase the further along you get. So what I like to do is pick a champion first and then branch out, and basically bet against the public, look at, like ESPN or Yahoo, usually what they'll do is they'll show you projections of, um, you know, seventy-five percent of users have picked Duke to win it all or Kansas or Arizona. I look for teams that maybe have decent odds or you know kind of even odds, but then look at futures. And if you know Kansas, Duke, and Arizona all have a uh, you know the same you know futures odds to cut down the nets, they're all plus five hundred, but Duke's getting seventy-five percent of brackets on ESPN. Okay, I'll lean to Kansas or Arizona, knowing that they have the same odds to win based, you know, on the sports books mind. But you're uh, you're differentiating yourself and uh, and kind of working my way back that way. So I know it's a little weird, Ron, but uh, it has uh, it has benefited me late looking at futures and overvalued teams and um, starting the champion and going out instead of outside going in.
2: Hey, if it works for you, why question it? Right. (laughs) Maybe. And again, patent it, sell it and see what you can do with it. What about pool size? What, what do we mean by pool size and how do you bet maybe against it or into it?
3: Yeah, so pool size is all about who are you competing with. You know, if you're in a small pool with your friends and there's only 10 of you um, and you, you put 20 bucks in, um, there's not as big of an advantage to go against the grain. It's really when you're in that you're trying to win that ESPN bracket with thousands and thousands of people. That's when being bolder, being more contrarian is to your benefit because you need to separate yourself. If you're just like the pack, you're never going to win because there's always going to be, you know, that public tendency where everyone has kind of the same opinion overall. Uh, another thing I like to do is when you get to the outside and the edges, you know, especially round 64. You have a, the beauty is that, you know, usually selection Sunday, you know, tournament doesn't start till you know a Thursday. You have those playing games. We have a few days to kind of uh, look at futures, lean on futures, and lean, look at the betting lines, Ron, because. You'll love this, Ron. Maybe what I like to do is look at and I'll take my bracket, and I'll write down the betting odds for for every game. And maybe you have a 9 playing an 8, and everyone Mm -hmm. says the 9 won, and it was an upset. But really, you know, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but really the 9 was a minus 3 favorite. You know, look at the betting odds for these games. You'll get always a 12 beats a 5. But um, incorporate betting with your brackets. That can be uh, advantageous as well.
2: Now, I've actually got a tip in an area where I don't think you would have a tip. You ever been in these pools where you have 64 people or actually 68 people in an office? It's a big, big office, and everybody puts in however much money, and then they put all the names in a hat or a box or whatever, and you draw the name of the team, then that that team wins the tournament, you win the pool of money, right? So I actually had a way that I could actually get an edge in this. And I actually, this is a scam I pulled off. I'm now going to confess to it. This was years ago. I won't say where, but anyone listening who was working there will know. So it was a year that Duke won the NCAA tournament, and Duke was one of the two or three favorites. And I thought, okay, the one way I can get an edge in this thing when I draw is look for Duke. Whoever filled out the slips did so with a hard enough pen that you could feel how much wording was on it. And so when I went feeling around, I thought, all right, I'm going to feel for And I was like kind of late in the draw and Duke hadn't gone yet. And I thought, I'm going to feel for the one that has the less lumpiness on the other side because they were folded in half. And I found Duke.
3: (laughs) You're you're looking for those four letters, Ron. I like it. The the short one, I like it.
2: (laughs) You know, that's right. I was not looking for, you know, uh, (laughs) I was not looking for Texas A&M Corpus Christi. You know, I was... (laughs) It was not, you know, that would be too lumpy. I would, I would have avoided that, right? So I I found it. There was like, I don't know, 10 slips left, and I found Duke using that system.
3: I cheated the hell out of it. So I dare you to top that. Hey, Ron, <laughs> if, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I think Bill Belichick, uh, he's going to hire you. Uh, to be, uh, uh, he's going to hire you for the front office. I thought that was Lance Armstrong. All right, anyway, so there you go.
2: All right, so in closing, uh, just thoughts on terms of, of March Madness. It's the most wonderful time of the year.
3: Most wonderful time of year, and again, mm-hmm. going contrarian, long story short, is when it's going to pay off the most because of that influx of public betting. And uh, you always remember, you know, it, Ron, in your office, I'm sure there are people who filled out brackets, had knew nothing about it, but they bet based on their favorite colors or the favorite mascots. Oh, yeah. And they probably won the whole thing, so this is when – taking unpopular opinions, going against, um, you know, narratives and uh, buying low, selling high, all the tenants we all look to, uh, you know, if we think contrarian is really when it pays off. So best time of year, most exciting time of year, the madness. Why is it madness? Because things you don't expect happen. So as a result, don't just do what everyone else is doing. Uh, Take a different approach. And usually that benefits you uh, over the long run.
2: Yep, every year there's a George Mason or a Loyola of Chicago somewhere out there. And everywhere out there, you will find Josh Applebaum, Ron Flatter here, offering yet another lesson. It's the most wonderful time of the year on the Everything Guide to Sports Betting V SIN podcast.
3: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
2: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust